From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep. We dive deep into our Catholic faith. I'm Andrew Hansen, riding solo today. Amber, we'll just say she took a vacation day. We got Zach Mickman, Zach Wickman here from the Catholic Conference of Illinois. Zach, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me on. I'm a fan of the podcast. I appreciate it. So uh, you're essentially a lobbyist for the Catholic Church. I am. Um, so we got a lot of uh, big issues coming up this legislative session here in the capital city. Um Three of them in particular we're going to talk about today, parental notification, the tax credit scholarship, physician-assisted suicide. You're watching all of these very closely. Lawmakers are in session uh, at the end of January. They'll be here through the end of May, so we'll see what pans out. Of course, every year I feel like we think something's going to happen and doesn't happen, then something doesn't, you know, it's always kind of goes back and forth. Right. The uh, only truth is unpredictability. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start with the parental notification. Uh, this was a, a law that's frankly been on the books for decades here, but it only finally went into effect uh, within the past several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, past six years, it's been enforced. Basically, if you're 17 or younger, you have to notify your parents if uh, she wants an abortion. So the first thing right out of the gate there is it's always this misnomer of parental notification is different than parental consent. Correct. Huge, massive difference Correct. here. Yes. Uh, last session, we saw uh, a bill come up, or was it tied into the big abortion bill that this yeah. w- this was in there? Eventually, got pulled out. So, what are you guys hearing this year? Well, it, it wasn't pulled out. It was introduced as two separate bills. So there was House Bill Forty, which was kind of the broad um, abortion bill, which you know had a lot of terrible provisions in it in its own right. But this was introduced separately to repeal parental notification because. Uh, interestingly enough, th- this isn't typically an issue that breaks down just on the you know the, the normal pro-life, pro-choice um, fault lines in politics. There are a number of pro-choice legislators, ironic or not ironically, but obviously some many of them fathers of daughters who who aren't necessarily supportive of repealing the parental notification of act. And and you know there's a lot of reasons for that that I'm sure we'll get into. But um, this is a a more difficult issue, I guess, for the pro-choice side than than the typical abortion bill. So do we think, uh, are we a little more optimistic this year that if it were to come up, um, the, the, between obviously what you guys do and what everyone, you know, obviously grassroots campaigns, this can again just be a bill that cops, <coughs> pops up and it hopefully just fizzles away? Well, it's it's tough to be optimistic in this political environment, and, and I don't think it will just pop up and fizzle away. I think it'll take a lot of work and effort. Um, the other side... Uh, that, that's, you know, the proponents of this legislation are, are tough, well-funded, and uh, active. So we're certainly going to have our hands full for it, and I don't make any predictions, but we're going to do everything we can to uh, defeat this bill. It's the last, you know, <laughs> piece of, uh, it's the last law, Illinois, that is in any way protective of the unborn. So we want to we want to keep it on the books if we can. Yeah, Terry Cosgrove, he's the president of Personal PAC. He came out last year, end of last year, said this is the most important bill coming up for them. So clearly they are going to come out guns a-blazing to try to repeal parental notification. What are the arguments uh, you guys will be saying to, to lawmakers on why we should not repeal parental notification? Right, so we're going to, I mean, there's a lot of arguments to me, but we're going to focus on two primary arguments. And the first is, you know, parents obviously have a right to know what's going on with their children, especially in the medical field. I mean, you know, if your kid wants to take medication at school, they need your, they need your permission. Or they, uh, their ears pierced. Or their ears <laughs> pierced, or whatever it may be. You know, they need their parents, not just knowledge, but permission. All we're asking is that, you know, parents should know what's going on with their daughters. Um, how, how can you argue a, a 16-year-old girl who, who obviously has, is not mature, is not fully developed in their intellect and their character, how can you tell a parent 
that they don't have any role in such a consequential and difficult decision. The other side will argue that, well, some parents are, are cruel or, or may throw this child out of the house or, or abuse them in some way. Uh, obviously, I hope that's not the case. Uh, in some rare instances, it probably is the case. And in that, and for that, in the law, there's built in a judicial bypass where a child can go um, before a judge and, and get a waiver from notifying their parents. Now you would say, well, how does a child know where to go to go before a judge and get this? Well, the ACLU has published an entire booklet on it and has people all over the state ready to do it for them. So it is, uh, it is a viable option. It's, it's taken by some people. Um, so, well, obviously I would prefer parents know in all cases, if there is this abusive situation, um, then there are ways around it. So that's the number one argument. Parents deserve to know what's going on with their children. The second one is, who does this law, if this law didn't exist, who would be protected? Now, Planned Parenthood and the ACA would say, well, well, the 16-year-old child will be protected, but we don't believe that. We believe parents, by and large, love and support their children. The person who will be protected is the adult male who is abusing, manipulating, whatever it may be, a 15, 16, 17-year-old girl. And if in this, the course of this abuse and manipulation, he impregnates this young girl, without this law, he can take that young girl to an abortion clinic and erase the evidence of his crimes. Uh, with this law, that can't happen. So why do we want to repeal a law that right now is, is so protective of, of our daughters and, and, and of minor children, minor girls, all throughout the state when, when the, res, you know, the results of repealing that would be, I think, uh, very negative. And I know you, you don't make predictions, and it's, yeah. it's pointless to make predictions at, at our state house. but do you at least get a sense from last year because this was stripped out that, I mean, again, hopefully uh, people on the other side may, may come to our, our side on this particular issue? Well, like I said earlier, I get a sense that the fault lines are different, okay? So there's, there's some people, particularly, I think, fathers of daughters, who voted for House Bill 40 that aren't excited about voting for a repeal of parental notification. I can't predict what's going to happen in the end. You know, political pressure is political pressure. And people, right. people fold to what they believe in all the time, unfortunately. So, so we'll see what happens. But um, it's a different fight than it was last year. How much is Governor Pritzker behind any of these pushes? Well, you know, he's famous for saying he wanted to make Illinois the most progressive state in the country on abortion. So um, he was instrumental in passing House Bill 40. Uh, I think he really... I think we felt like we had it kind of well, that, bottled up and stopped. Not House Bill 40, that was the Rauner. I'm sorry, not House Bill 40. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm confusing my bills. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the abortion bill of last year, whose number obviously I can't remember right now, but um, he was instrumental in that. Um, so that was, uh, you know, he's got a lot of play over there. He's got a lot of power, a lot of influence, and, and, and I imagine he'll be involved in this too. Now, speaking of, of Governor Pritzker, the tax credit scholarship, this is something your organization, the Illinois, uh, the Catholic Conference of Illinois, along with Cardinal Supich, all of our bishops worked really hard to get this in place several years ago. It was tied with the education reform bill. Basically, it established a tax credit scholarship so students could, for low income, could tap into it and get a scholarship to a school of their choice. Now, the first thing I want to point out is this isn't just Catholic schools. Right. Uh, it's any private school Correct. that um, a, a child can take advantage of. Governor Pritzker, especially when he was running for office, was very cool to this whole tax credit scholarship. And yeah. ultimately, I think we saw our financial numbers take a hit in terms of donor confidence. Sure. Because it's a five-year pilot program, so we only have, what, two years left on it? Three. Or three years Three, left. Yeah. So quickly give us the lay of the land there, and, and do you see this thing 
ending in, in three years. Obviously, we hope not. Yeah, sure. So, so the governor was was more than cool to it. He promised to repeal it in in his in his campaign, and and then even after he was elected, uh, we worked very hard last year to prevent that, uh, and we were successful. Uh, the program did not undergo any changes, any any um, uh, you know constrictions or, or modifications. So, we feel really good about it, and, and it did hurt fundraising that year. But now we feel like we're established. We feel like we're going to get the five years at a minimum. Um, so we're hoping that donations go up uh, significantly this year. You know, even in, in, in the two first years with all of the, the political obstacles, we still raised uh, nearly $100 million. Uh, and, and, and that put in, you know, over 15,000 kids in schools that their parents chose for them where they get better educations than they were getting <clears throat> for whatever reason. And I'm not, I'm not disparaging public schools in any way, but different schools fit different kids, and, and their parents should be able to choose that. That's what we believe. So uh, we feel very strong where we are now. In fact, this year we're going to be working on legislation with Empower Illinois, which is the scholarship granting organization we work with, uh, to, to make some improvements to the program and hopefully seek some extension uh, to the five-year uh, deadline. Uh, that's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. But the way we're working on it, trying to expand it a little bit to help you know, uh, kids who want to get into like union apprenticeship programs. And so we're trying to bring in some trade unions uh, to help us support it. You know, they're very powerful in Springfield. Uh, so having them in allies would help very much. So uh, I think we're through the threat to the program being repealed early. And now we're looking at how do we expand and build on it. And if you're listening right now, go to Empower Illinois' website if you're interested in, in making a donation. I mean, it's a win-win-win across the board. I mean, if you make a donation, you get a 75% yes. tax credit. Yes. Uh, the school that, because if you're an individual donor, you can designate the Correct. school that you want to go to, and then you're helping a child uh, who wants to go there get a scholarship to go there. And, and just by, by the numbers here in our diocese, we had 377 students uh, receive this scholarship, valued at more than a million dollars. But here's the catch, and you, you brought it up, Zach. We had 1,300 apply just in our diocese. Right. 377 got it. Right. Clearly, there is high demand for this. So right. when, you, when you're talking to lawmakers, and you know, I, I think at Governor Pritzker, who sends his children to private school, sure. you know, well, be that as it may, but it, it, it just kind of seems like, you know, if a child, if a low-income child wants to go to a school and this outside person wants to give of his or her own money to help this child because it's a better fit for that child, I just, I don't see the rationale and why this is a bad program. Right. And for legislators, especially who say all they care about is education and providing our children a better life. Um, again, you know, what, what the what the teachers unions and the opponents of this program will argue is, well, you're taking resources out of the public schools. But that's not true. The Illinois has never spent more money on public schools than they do today. And, and that's fine. Uh, we, we're not opponents of that. Uh, that's great. Public schools should be good schools, too. But not every public school is a fit for every child. Um, you know, people have a right. The church teaches parents are the first educators. Parents could, should are the ones who should decide where their kids go to school, they know their kids better than anybody else, obviously. So they know what their kids need. And if they if they determine that a certain private school fits their children better than, than the local public school, they should be able to make that decision. And, and, and the government supporting that decision is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, so, you know, I think what we've successfully done so far is we're building a constituency, okay? So those, those kids who are getting scholarships and their families – support the program. Those kids who are trying to get scholarships, and there's many more of them than are actually getting scholarships, you know, they want to see the program expanded so they can be successful to get those programs. So we're building a constituency. Uh, we have three more years to keep building it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic that the program is going to stick around and grow. 
I was saying, we, we, you see the stories on the news. You see the stories that, you know, we even highlight in, in our own, own mediums here of these children who they flat out say, I couldn't go to the school if it weren't for the tax credit or weren't for the, exactly. the scholarship program. And I am now thriving or, the, or the, the mom or dad would say, we, our child is thriving. This is a better fit. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, hopefully we see this continue. So really quick, one more question on that. Um, the strategy going forward, you got three years left. When you say extension, are you hoping for another five years or what's kind of the strategy to hopefully try to keep it going? Well, obviously, you know, the, the greatest thing was be if you could take off the cap completely and yeah. just say this lasts forever. <laughs> uh, tax credits don't really work that way in Illinois. They're almost always um, um, capped at some at some future time, mostly just because it, it makes good policy sense that the legislature is able to review, is this tax credit doing uh, what we wanted it to do? So, yeah, I, I think what would be great is if we could extend it another five years. I mean, that would be... Obviously, I would love to get the cap taken off completely, but I think more reasonably is let's expand another five years and then go again. And the, the, the last big issue I know you all are following at the Catholic Conference of Illinois is physician-assisted suicide. Yeah. Um, this really was kind of nowhere, and then there was a story in the State Journal Register. Um, this guy from Oregon, a physician, came in to basically just give a presentation to doctors on it, sure. and then they found a state rep up in Evanston. Uh, Robin Gable, um, she pl- says she plans to introduce a bill either this year or next year that models Oregon's bill. Oregon, uh, if, you, if you're uh, 18 or older, you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Um, if you're expected to die within the next six months, then you can be prescribed medicine. I put that in quotes that yeah. can end your life. Right. What's uh, what's up with that over at the state house? So we've actually been expecting this uh, legislative effort in Illinois for a number of years and been preparing for it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We could see a bill this year. I don't know if we will. It's, you know, it's an election year. They're going to be working on the parental notice repeal, a lot of, a lot of controversial issues. Makes me think that, uh, you know, there's, there's a good chance that it, it won't move forward this year, but we're preparing as if it would. And in fact, we've, we just uh, yesterday um, unveiled a website, uh, stopassistedsuicideillinois.org. I encourage you all to go visit that. It has facts about, you know, what it what assisted suicide really is. And I, I think you, when you when you read about it, you'll be even more shocked than you probably already are. Uh, you know, just the process for it and how how difficult that is. Um, so you know, we're preparing as if there will be legislation this year. There may not be, uh, but obviously this is something we want to stop. And again, this this is totally different. Uh, it's a totally different political debate than you know the abortion debate. So uh, we're working with members in our in the disability community and in our, our Jewish friends and some of their lobbying groups and, of course, the medical community to, to build a coalition opposed to this. And uh, I think we've made some good progress on that and uh, we'll be ready. Yeah, I think the big thing that I think is the physicians, yeah. um, because in 2019, American Medical Association, they're the largest association of physicians. They voted to reaffirm uh, their position on assisted suicide the pace is saying it is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as healer. That is quite a powerful statement from you know, the nation's leading, you know, all, all the leading experts on this issue. And I, I look at Oregon because I did some research on it, Zach. Okay. 2017, 3.5% who reported, reportedly died under the Oregon law were referred to prescribing doctor for a psychological evaluation. So as we know, if, if you are contemplating killing yourself, let's yeah. be honest, there could be a psychological issue there. Only sure. 3% of cases was that that ever happened. Uh, also, there's also no way for authorities to know whether the lethal dose was actually self-administered and consensual under the Oregon law. You know, you get your your drugs. I mean, some 
you know, I've seen stories, unfortunately, people are having like end of life parties right. where they then take the, the medication or whatever it is. And 30 minutes later, and it's not always 30 minutes later too. Right. That's the other thing. Right. People say it's this slow or is this quick, easy, painless death. And that hasn't been the case. No, so Oregon, the people point to Oregon as this model for physician assisted suicide. There are multitude problems. Yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously there, I mean, just from the beginning, you look, a physician's promise is to do no harm, right? Well, how, how does suicide go into that? And I think that's what the AMA looks at. And then, you know, the, the whole situation is ripe for abuse. It's ripe for, you know, doing it wrong, uh, creating real harm uh, besides just death harm to the patient who, you know, administers the drugs wrong or, or however that may be. Um, it, it's, and, 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 the, and legislative efforts on, of this nature have been defeated in, in blue states, states that you would think, oh, well, maybe this is, maybe, you know, that you would expect it to do better in. Um, but it's a, it's a different fault line. Uh, there's a lot of problems with it. There's a lot of people who are against this, uh, who aren't involved in other cultural debates. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I feel pretty good about where we're at, but you never Again, say it's never. The Illinois, so you don't know. Yeah, it's like, what if someone is pressuring someone right. to, to do it? What if they're given the wrong diagnosis? What if they're given the wrong prognosis? Uh, what if it isn't a terminal illness at all? What if there's a drug out there, you know, you think of right to try laws sure. that could actually, I mean, there's just, there's a multitude of things that I think are problematic. Not even talking about the moral side. Correct. I mean, that's the thing. We're not even Correct. talking moral here. Yeah. Just the process, the practical, the medical side of things. So, uh, you know, you haven't really polled lawmakers or talked to lawmakers yeah. so much on this issue. Do you think there's uh, hopefully some uh, some optimism that we can defeat this simply because we've been a blue state for so long, and it's ta- Oregon has been in the books for, for years and years, and only now are people even talking about it that perhaps there isn't a, an, an appetite well, for this yeah, in Illinois? I, I, yeah, I do believe that, and I think especially in, you know, Oregon, I, I don't know the demographics there, but I think it's a, a pretty white state. And here in Illinois, we're a much more diverse state. And amongst the minority communities, I don't think there's a lot of trust in the government about how to, you know, how the, how much they value your life. Okay, so so do we want the government to be in the in in the business of uh, allowing doctors and others to decide you should die or you, here's a medicine to go kill yourself and all those things? I mean, there's a lot of distrust in those communities about government power in that regard. Uh, and of course, the disability community. I mean. nobody is told their lives are are worth less than those who are disabled. And, of course, we don't believe that. We believe their their lives are every bit as important as everybody else's. So uh, anything that where the government comes in and says, yeah, maybe you're not as valued as someone else, and maybe you should do the right thing and just take your life and things like that. You know, I know that's not what the law says explicitly, but that's the message of it, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're a burden. Right. You're not worthy. Uh, Go ahead and take these pills and, and go quietly into the night. That, 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 that's a terrible message, a terrible thing. And I do think there's a lot of people uh, throughout Illinois who, who may not be with us on other cultural issues, but who will reject that message. Yeah, I remember uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, legalized it, uh, just the, the city there. And I remember out of the, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of doctors who could have signed up to yeah. be a prescriber, there were two. Yeah. So, I mean, it also shows you, I mean, these are, these are medical, again, let's just throw the moral argument out the right. window. Yeah. Medi- the medical community doesn't want this. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Again, I don't know how you make an oath to do no harm and then prescribe drugs for someone to kill themselves with. I, I just don't understand how that's compatible. So, one more uh, issue related to this: the death penalty. Um, yeah. I've seen some talk, or maybe some lawmakers say they will file a bill to repeal the death penalty. 
Um, what have you been hearing on that? And do you see that? You mean to reinstate the to reinstate the, yeah to reinstate yeah, the, yeah. So so there's bills every year that do that. Um, uh, people haven't let go of that, and I don't, <laughs> I don't expect they will this year. But but those bills don't uh, move in the process, and I don't see any reason to believe they would this year. Okay. Anything else cooking in the state house or anything to monitor? Oh, boy, you know that feels like enough. There's always <laughs> we'll always get more uh, as we go along, and you know we'll send out the send out the message when there is. But for now, I think that's a pretty good review. So just to recap, a couple of websites in Power, Illinois, go there if you want to make a, a donation or if you are seeking a scholarship for your child. All the information is right there. But you also also established a website, stopassistedsuicide.org. Stopassistedsuicideillinois.org. So it's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> go there. Um, this is a perfect opportunity, though, for you to gather this information, start to talk to your local lawmakers, tell them where you stand on this issue, write letters, because uh, that grassroots campaign can ultimately make a big difference, as, you, as you've seen in the past. It's it's our only power in the legislature. You know, we're not one of these lobbying groups who cuts checks to legislators. Uh, we don't do that. We don't endorse candidates. Uh, we don't work for political parties. So, th- so our only influence in the legislature is through uh, the grassroots. And so we need you. And also go to the Catholic Conference of Illinois website. Sh- sign up for their, e- their e-newsletters. Uh, that keeps you up to date on everything going on at the State House. Lawmakers are in session at the end of January. Zach Wickman, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Andrew. This has been Dive Deep. If you'd like more podcasts, go to dio.org slash podcast. We'll see you next time.